Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Lewis McParlin. In today's episode, we have three games to look at. One played in midweek, one this Sunday and one that ended, well, around five minutes ago actually. There was a fierce basement battle on Wednesday as Lorient travelled to Nîmes aiming to bring back three points to strengthen their survival push, which has gathered pace since the turn of the year. Sunday night's big TV game is Marseille versus Lyon as the two great rivals get ready to lock horns once again, so we'll be chatting every detail of that later in the show. However, we're going to start with the only game in Europe this week that involved a French team as Lille travelled through Belgium to Amsterdam to face off against Ajax in the Europa League round of 16 second leg. So let me set the scene. The first leg ended in misery for the dog as they threw away two late goals to lose 2-1 at home. They arrived in the Netherlands with that score ringing in their ears, knowing what the job was, what they had to do. But they only had white noise after 15 minutes as Davy Klassen put the Dutchman in front. After a penalty was awarded following a VAR check in the second half though, Yusuf Yazici brought the scores level, blasting a penalty into the top corner. Level on the day, but still behind on aggregate. The second half, they pushed and pushed, but David Neres popped up at the back post on the 88th minute to nod Ajax back in front, ending the chance of Lille going through. The dog did give it a good go in the second half, but it ultimately wasn't enough as they crashed out of the Europa League. Today I have Thomas Wiseman, Jeremy Smith and Eric Devin alongside me and Eric, Lille, they did give it a good go but it was just a a, a yard, a mile, a a metre too far for them in this one, wasn't it? Yeah, I I mean, missing Andre, missing Yilmaz, I I think that obviously makes a difference. I think that, you know, you've got this cadre of very talented attackers but I think that in terms of composure and they were certainly lacking and I think that that's something that... um, that could have been brought to the team. Uh, Jose Fonch was on the bench as well. Uh, he had apparently suffered a, a knock in training, and uh, I guess they were they're going to save him for the weekend. Was the understanding there? So, yeah, I mean, missing. I mean, really, functionally, what's the spine of the team there? If you think about um, Andre Yilmaz and, and Fonch, uh, you know, this is this is not Lille are still getting it done in Liga, but in terms of Europe, this is not the same team that was, you know. Uh, making heads roll at the San Siro. And I think that that showed. They played with good enterprise. They played with good energy. I mean, they clearly wanted, the players who did start, uh, clearly wanted the result. Um, perhaps there were a couple of calls that went against them. I, I think that, that, you know, it's a frustrating result for, for Ledug, but I think ultimately in terms of chasing the title, it's it's a it's a result that helps them. And uh, in terms of, you know, what it means for the team as well, in terms of, you know, being a point of pride. I think that that's that's something that uh, shouldn't go unnoticed either. The team could play with the same motivation and drive, knowing that they were chasing a result, if not in vain. Something that would be would have been, you know, I think a rather a surprise had they had they progressed, had they upset the odds and, and moved on there. So, yeah, I think it was a decent enough evening. Just um, perhaps a little frustrating in you know in terms of the coefficient at at the very least. Um, to see the result go that way but we'll have to just all root for PSG now <laughs> so what were the key points for them do you think did, did they really approach this game with the right mentality to qualify for the next round or were they maybe a little bit too haphazard in that second half I, I find I found in that second half sometimes they were going so hell for leather that they left themselves open at the back with Mike Magnon having to make some really big saves to actually keep them in the game when it was 1-1 
No, I, I, you know, I think there might be some element of that, but I, I think that by and large, you know, oh, I mean, Christoph Galtier has this, you know, is known for his organizational mouse, and I do think that a lot of what he's relied on with his most successful teams, with kind of sense Etienne in this as well, is that level of veteran mouse, you know, whether it be, a, you know, a player like Fabien Lemoyne or Loc Perrin with Lever. Or here, like I said, with Fonch, um, Andre, and uh, and Yilmaz. But, you know, lacking that, right, you have a very inexperienced team that he trotted out. I want to say Menyon would have been the oldest player that started. Uh, let me just look at this 11 quickly. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that not having that, exp- as, much as, a, as much of a strong manager as, as Galtier is, I do think that not having that level of ex- oh, well, Shaka, okay, it's a, not having that level of experience on the pitch, uh, you know, perhaps is is frustrating. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that that Andre is, you know, a world beater per se, but he's been one of the best midfielders in Liga. We know how good he is at progressing the ball and and uh, and counter pressing. So I think that I think that missing those players just made it a little bit. It was it was too hard. I mean, there was good energy, good drive. Um, but yeah, that lack of experience on the biggest level, and you've got uh, a defense that's that callow. I mean, Chago Jallo has barely played this season. When he has, it's largely been a right back. Um, so yeah, I, I think that what you have there was just um, you know the natural natural result. You had uh, good chances for Ledog, but I, I think that the, the lack of quality and composure there uh, is a product of their age and inexperience and nothing more. I don't think we could take Galtier to approach to, to task rather for how he set this team out, what approach he wanted them to, to take. It was, uh, uh, it was a free swing, basically, you know, playing playing a goal down with two away goals to overcome. So, um, yeah, fair dough to the, to the dog. And, um, hopefully now they can, uh, continue to, uh, entrench themselves as title favorites domestically. I would love to see, um, Yilmaz play both games for 90 minutes. Cause it just felt like, when you watched it, that you you just needed his his level of of composure and he's just a ruthless um, player and so difficult for defenders to to play against. And I felt in some stages, it's Ajax that they didn't really have that focal point to to really upset that that defense. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, and when you go away in Europe and you don't even have a natural striker in the team, it was Yusuf Yuzic and Timothy Weah played up front. Neither player who's a, a you know your big strap and number nine or your natural striker is going to hamstring you in that way. And Thomas, they just lacked that that, that clinical edge at times. I mean, I remember chances in the second half for Jonathan Coney, Jonathan Bamba, mm-hmm. Weah as well. Yuzic had a, a good free kick, but none of them were really ever going to fully threaten Martin Stecklenburg in the goal, was it? Yeah, exactly right. They 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 just didn't um, they just weren't able to be clinical enough, and and some of the shots were just quite speculative, especially towards the end. So Lille didn't do loads in last year's Champions League. They had a very tough draw in the group, if I remember. I believe Ajax was in their group as well, actually, last year. And they had another tough draw in this year's Europa League, obviously playing against Ajax, a team that's kind of been there and done that in Europe. Jeremy Smith, how far along the track do you feel Lille are at the moment to matching a team, let's say, like Ajax, stride for stride? I mean, we saw in both legs, Ajax at times just had a bit more, a bit more nouse about them, a bit more streetwise 
ability, you could say, whereas Lille weren't really having that. They've got a few more players that are a bit more inexperienced in Europe. You know, they've not got someone like a, a Dusan Tadic up front, for instance. So how far along the road do you think Lille are to getting to that final point that they see themselves, you know, doing successful in Europe? Obviously, they're doing great in France this season, but Europe has to always be the goal for a team that's on the up and up in France, doesn't it, Jeremy? In theory, yes, but as as we kind of always say and sort of lament about the French teams, it's, it's all very well talking about clubs establishing themselves in Europe, but when the players playing for those clubs have, have got such a high turnover, it's difficult to have that kind of consistency. And it's so often that, um, you know, the players that help them qualify for Europe aren't necessarily there the following year. Um, so, you know, as both guys said, the the Arguably, the, the issue here was just that little bit of of inexperience when you compare the two the two starting 11s and or, you know in, in both legs actually, and um, you know for for Lille to still basically be be in the tie with only a couple of minutes of the 120 left, I think was is pretty impressive, especially because um, you know all those all those players that that um, Eric mentioned were were, were out and. Although obviously the the elevens that were put out in both matches went for it, I think probably you'd have to say that the club as a whole maybe didn't know whether to stick or twist. And you know, I think if this had been the priority, they probably would have risked um, uh, Font and Andre um, for this match. I think the fact that they weren't risked, um, you know, shows that quite rightly Liga is the priority. Um, on a on a more sort of general scale I think I, st- I still think Lille were unlucky last year it was a tough group and I actually thought that they um, the results p- were probably not really reflective of of how well they played there are you know a couple of unfortunate um, defeats I think from memory there was one that was I know I might be thinking of Bren this year I was going to say one that was ruined by by a really bad early red card decision but <laughs> I think Lille, Lille gave a good account of themselves last year and I think they have done again this year but when you compare people like you know Stecklenberg, Klaassen, Tadic you've got so much more experience Tadic you know was arguably one of the, one of the players of, of the Champions League a couple of years back you've got Dali Blind obviously he's, he's um you know, got all that experience with the likes of Man United, and you compare him, for example, just to Botman, who arguably was forced out of Ajax because Dan- Dali Blind is such an institution there. Um, I, I, I think they did they did a great job, and if they can keep the nucleus of this team together, then you know, obviously there's there's a very good chance they'll qualify for Champions League, possibly even as champions. But again, the question is, who'll still be there? Will Gautier still be there? Will Botman still be there? Um, you know, that that's always the, the sort of, I want to say tragedy, maybe that's a bit of extreme, but the frustration that, um, you know, PSG probably are the only team that can really build any kind of European dynasty or, or you know, build year on year on, on, on any progress in Europe. And I do think teams like Ajax, it's a bit like Bayern who... I know they're the reigning champions. Obviously, they're a great team and everything, but you know, really struggling the last month or so in in Bundesliga. And then you see what they did this week to Lazio. It just feels like there's certain clubs that really do have Europe in their DNA. And I know that kind of goes a little bit against what I was saying about personnel changing, but there is something about you know Ajax and Europe that 
maybe just the name intimidates French clubs a little. But um, overall, I don't think there's any shame in, in going out to them. I think, you know, really gave them a good fight. And the consolation is that now they can really focus on Liga. Mm, absolutely. Even to go to Ajax, to play against Ajax in two games and, and really take some goals off them, like, like you were saying, Jeremy, they're a team that does, they're almost becoming synonymous with Europe, especially in, in recent history, but also in, in past history as well. They may not be a team in, the top, in a top five league or anything like that, but every time they, they come onto the continent, they just seem to really impress um, Eric Devin, you've got to look at the Lille team though, and I know Jeremy was saying like it's, it's sometimes not always the case where players are going to be at Lille for years and years and years, that's just kind of how they operate, but some of these guys, you, you sometimes forget just how young they are, Jonathan Iconia and Jonathan Bamba, I feel like they've been playing in this Lille team for years, but Bamba's only 24 and Iconia's only 22, Timothy Weas recently came into the team, he's only 21, Yusuf, Yusuf Yuzici, he was purchased, he was a bit of an older purchase, but he's still only 24, in this match you said it yourself earlier, Zeka was the oldest player starting and he was only 26, so when you look at some of the talents that they do have, Ikoni, Yuzici, um, even guys like Thiago Giallo, Botman, Bomba and Wea, you've got to feel that if those players stay for another year, Lille could have a real good push at, at Europe next season. It's like, it's like we were looking at when Nicola Pepe left Lille, he was playing so well at Lille and then he goes to Arsenal and, you know, say what you will, but his, but his time there, but you just feel he was really starting to turn it up a gear. And some of these players, you know, they do have the players that are capable of doing that, Eric, if they're still given the time and this team is kept together for at least another year. Uh, what do you mean a push at Europe? Like winning a European title? I mean, I mean, impressing, getting to a, a quarter final or a round of eight, or really going for a bit of a push. I mean, I think if if anything in the last five years has taught us anything about French teams in Europe is that that you know European competitions rely as much on luck of the draw as anything. I mean, who would have thought that Marseille would have reached a Europa League final or, or Lyon a, a Europa League semi final when they they beat Roma, especially. Um, I think, to me, a more impressive achievement is on the table now with with the potential for the title. You know, I, I think with PSG still struggling with injuries, I know Neymar is back in training. I saw that today. Um, but with a dozen matches to go and, and PSG still in the Champions League and still probably wanting to at least do the double um, with the Coupe de France, um, I think that Lille are still favorites to win the title. And I think, to me... That's a more momentous occasion than getting to a Europa League quarterfinal because, again, you know, I think that that just comes down to the luck of the draw, who your opponent is. You know, we see this every year with with a Champions League draw. Oh, who wants to win? You know, what seeded opponent do you want? What, who's the strongest three seed? What's the group of death? You know, and there there is all there is always so much of an element of luck to this that I think, to me, um, I don't necessarily think that for this club and for their ambitions that progress in Europe is seems to me to be a rather arbitrary yardstick and I think that having been you know pr probably they had hoped to have got to they would have you know felt a little unlucky not entering the Champions League this year and now they're progressing uh, you know to have a real shot at the title that to me is far more impressive than um, like I said you know what is a finishes a finish a finish ah, sorry where Lille would finish in Europe is when, wh sorry, when, where Lille finish in Europe is so much down to the luck of the draw. 
I mean, you, without trying to criticise some of the other teams in other leagues that were playing, you, you've got to look at some of the other draws that they had uh, that were existing in Europe tonight and just think they could have had a much easier run at it than Ajax, for instance. I mean, Royal Antwerp showed a really good game against Rangers in both legs, but you got to imagine that they would go and beat them. Maccabi Tel Aviv, other teams like that. A lot of the Europa League draws were actually quite tight this year, especially in the first legs, and you can see that from the second legs. There's very few whitewashes, but still, there's some teams that you would look at there and think Lille would be expecting a win there. But Thomas Wiseman, with that all said and done, we said it last week, this just means they can go all steam ahead on the league now, can't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think they've they've got they've probably not got the as we've seen they've probably not got the squad to compete as, as strong in Europe, but they've got um, a good enough squad to roll over quite a few teams in in the league, um, like that game against against L'Oreal on the weekend. Um, and it just you know it just sort of shows that they've really do have a big chance of of um of securing the title which is it's a, it's great to see a um a battle for the for the top and you know it doesn't just who's going to who's going to drop first sometimes it is that in these title races you know especially when it's teams that yeah. haven't historically won it recently you know it's going who can keep the momentum going who can go away to Brest and go and get a 1-0 win and take it back who can go away to 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 Dijon and not slip up there that's really what you're asking okay the big games mm-hmm. against your Leons your Marseilles your PSGs that's great when when all the, the the floodlights are shown and people are watching on TV but it's the matches that you've really got to get nitty and gritty with and, and keep winning and Lille just have to keep doing that they have to keep their heads down and keep the momentum going you know they've had one or two slip-ups this season but you know if they can take this result against an amazing team in Ajax as a bolster to their confidence, you know, you, you you can only imagine what they could achieve in the next couple of months of the season, Thomas. Yeah, and as I think probably in the past when we're talking about competing with PSG for the title, usually it's around how they do against some of the the tougher teams in the league, perhaps, and, and PSG haven't been, um, have, have sort of, well, they've been beaten quite a few times when they've faced, you know, the likes of Monaco are now right up there as well. Um, but like a team like Lille, some of the games they play, uh, even against the, 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 the lesser teams, can be um, sort of can be close and it can be quite um, <laughs> boring to watch at times, but they really do grind out results. And, and Galtier has that that knowledge and that um wisdom of of league and um that he he sort of uses to his advantage mm, absolutely i was actually looking through some of the past few seasons in league and, and and i was looking at teams that have won the league and how many games they've lost and don't de- definitely don't quote me on this because it's a couple of weeks ago but i think i went back to maybe like 2009-10 and no team had won the league with losing more than four games and psg have lost six already really? Yeah, again, don't quote me on that, but it was like four or five, and I think PSG have lost more than that now since like of of the last 10 or 11 years. So it's starting to get a little bit tasty at the top of the table. And speaking of the top of the table, let's do our preview for the big Sunday match involving a team that's definitely in the mix for the title this year. Leon sitting in second, they go away to the rivals Marseille this Sunday, looking to get three points. Three points that could, if other results go their way, take them to the top of the league. 
Jeremy Smith, this may be a bit of a dumb question, but who goes into this game in better shape out of Marseille and Lyon? Um, I'd still say Lyon, but I think Marseille are in a slightly better place than they were a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think they, they've... I know there's there's no such thing as a, a sort of free pass at Marseille, but I think the fact that they're playing under, under Lage, who's sort of well thought of, but also got no intention of... of He's not interested in taking the job permanently, so he can, to an extent, relax and maybe, um, you know, experiment and play players like Cowie, who really have deserved a bit of a chance for a long time now. And, and um, this is, in a way, the ideal situation to to give give players like that a go. We've got the usual. I know you have a managerial bounce, but you also get a bit of a Payet bounce where he's playing for someone else and so decides to care <laughs> for a little bit. Um, so, so things are slightly better there, and you know, drawing against Nantes isn't anything special. But Nantes have, you know, the first couple of matches under Kumbawari looked a little bit better. Um, I think they they had the advantage of playing. Uh, Saliba and Tadibolus Nice last week, so you know a little bit of pressure off with that that first win for a while. Um, I still think it's it's not entirely fair that I mean I get Saliba and Tadibo not being allowed to play because the fixture was at a time when when they weren't on the books, but then it doesn't entirely even up because then Nice can't play players who are injured who who weren't injured at the time but are now. But anyway. It's kind of irrelevant. Marseille got the win. Payet looking a bit better. That they are in better shape, and I, I, I really think that Marseille Lyon has become the sort of, in a way, the classico of the last few years. I think PSG and Marseille. I feel sometimes like everyone sort of huffs and puffs and tries to make it into a into a big deal, but actually, in terms of sort of being closer quality wise, in terms of sort of beef carrying over from one match to the next. I think Marseille and Lyon is, is kind of the, the the really intriguing, quite bitter um, rivalry. And, and it's that match that actually gets me a little bit more excited. Um, so that being said, I think, you know, it's the usual cliche about, about sort of derby matches that to an extent form goes out of the window. Um, so... You know, I think Marseille definitely do have their card to play, but I, yeah, I still think Lyon are are in better shape. I know they're they're just being classically Lyon, still blowing a little bit hot and cold, but um, I thought you know that was a very good result last week against Brest. I don't think it's an easy place to go to. I think Brest are a really good footballing side, and I know they were helped a lot by by a couple of atrocious defending errors, defensive errors. Sorry, but. Still, you know, Paqueta's kind of come back and still playing as well as 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 um, before. I think he had a, a maybe a match or two off, and and um, they're still able to sort of rotate a little bit in midfield. Um, I think Diomande's fielding well in defence um, and in attack. They're still, you know, even if all three attackers aren't playing well at the same time. There's always sort of one or two of them that, that just about does enough. So Lyon in better shape and still favourites for me, but I certainly don't think it's a formality.
I have to say that the Leon Marseille game, I agree with you, Jeremy, has kind of become a really exciting game in the last few years, much more than some of the other big derbies across France. Uh, there's actually, of the last four league meetings between Lyon and Marseille, there have been four red cards. Uh, Eric Devin, if you had to guess which team has had each of those four red cards, who would you guess? Marseille. You would be 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I, you know, I, I, I'm a little frustrated with this match. I know that um, Marseille have looked a little bit better under Largay. But their, their absences of this match, I think, are going to be really challenging. I know Milik's back in training, but Tovan's a doubt with a knee injury. Sakai suspended, Rongier suspended, um, and Benedetto suspended. Now, I know that, you know, you might sort of scoff to yourself the importance of all those players, but I think if you're missing that many players who might nominally start in a given week, uh, it's, it is going to be a little bit challenging for, for um, Marseille to get things going. I think that Leon, on the other hand, I think are coming back to earth a little bit. You know, we talked about this on the show on Monday, and I think that you know it's live by the sword, die by the sword. And in Carl Toko Akambi and Tino Katawera, you have two players who, when they're on song, can be really a joy to watch and and really fun. But I think that you know, despite Toko Akambi having I think a dozen goals, Katawera having nine this season, um, they've both been a little profligate lately. I mean, uh, Katawera was even dropped for some hour the other weekend. Um, and I think that uh, last Friday, that is. So I, I think that, you know, neither of these teams are really in great shape for this. But I think that Marseille's absences are, are going to count for a lot more uh, in terms of, you know, the ability of, of their ability to be efficacious, um, particularly going forward. With these recent results, Eric, you know, they had a 3-2 win over Brest. Brest gave it a really good go in that one, and they had a loss uh, home to Montpellier. Does that show some cracks for you? What what, what do you put those results down to? Obviously, they did get the win in the Brest game, but are they just starting to show a little bit of pressure with, you know, them still being very much in the running for the title, coming into the last kind of push for the title? Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I think that they, it's not like they haven't had weaknesses all season, you know. Uh, let's talk about how, you know, Mattia de Siglio doesn't really seem up for Ligue 1, how Max Corne is not really a left back. Um, you know, I think Paqueta, despite having scored a few goals lately, is actually nowhere near the player he was uh, six weeks ago or, or at the end of 2020. Uh, I think he, he's, his form's not falling off a cliff, but he, I think his, the incisiveness of his play and, and uh, the dynamism he gives to midfield at his very best is this isn't there. And I don't know whether that's a matter of other sides having figured him out or what. Um, but I think the goals that he scored of late have kind of papered over the cracks, if you ask me. Um, and then, like I said, you know, you've got um, you've got an attacking set of players who, you know, Slimani's added an extra dimension, you know, with, with the performances he's, he's been able to offer off the bench. But again, in Katawari and, and Toko Kambi, I, I, I don't have... A great deal of faith in them um you know even as a leon fan i want to i think category you know the resilience he's shown um given what's given the personal tragedy he's endured ahead of the season has been really impressive you know and his his story about uh, dreaming about the brace in the in the derby and then scoring it um you know is is really heartwarming and i i think it's it's those sorts of stories are a lot of the reason why we like sport but at the same time you know both of those players have not been great of late and you know 
Memphis, it seems like, you know, will have a moment or two every match, but he seems to, you know, as he always has, you know, drifted quite a bit, you know, he's there or he's not. And then, you know, that, that can come home to roost. If his, if he's not there to, you know, against Brest, he had, he had a goal and an assist, I believe. Um, and I, I think that, um, you know, you've, it's, it's a struggle there in, in terms of level, maintaining a level of consistency. Um, you know, Rudy Garcia has sort of rolled the dice uh, and not offered much tactical versatility, but the limitations that, that, that <clears throat> to which that the team has been subject by playing, by continuing to adhere to that system, even if some of those, even if some of those players are out of form, uh, you know, that's a hard obstacle to overcome. And I think that um, Leon stumbles um, in 2021, as opposed to that run they've been on up up to um, up to the the winter break. Um, are a product of that. That those players, you know, like Atoko Akambi, for example, um, are where they are um, by dint of you know the fact that they are inconsistent. I mean, we you know we we talked, for example, about Toko Akambi um, being poor with his finishing in the in the final eight in Lisbon. Um, that's that hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, he he's strong and then he's not. I mean, he's, it's been the same same thing with Angers as well and. Um, you know, he's, and it's, you know, it's why he's, ne- he's never been, you know, sought after by really a top tier European club. Um, so yeah, I think that's really what it boils down to for me. Um, and it's disheartening. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I think that, um, having Leon there, but I, I is, is a good thing for the league and it's a good thing for the club. But I think that by and large, um, if you ask me, they've that they've sort of overachieved this season. I think that, um, you know, they have the advantage in terms of, you know, playing um, each of the each of the other rest of the top four at home in the weeks to come. Um, but it's yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that they've they to me look as sharp and consistent certainly as Leal um, certainly as Leal have. Thomas Wiseman, on Sunday, Lille are at home to Strasbourg, four hours before Lyon play Marseille. If Lille lose that game, you know, after a, after a, a trip to Amsterdam in midweek, a big European fixture that took a lot out of them, if they lose that and Lyon win, they can go top. And then, you know, if they keep that momentum going, if they just win every other game or uh, keep that momentum going, they could be winning the title in May. Thomas Wiseman, that's got to be a pretty tasty carrot hanging over the players' heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And if you um, if you see any any of the interviews with, um, I think Andre usually does most of them. Uh, what I've seen, he's always sort of <laughs> staying away from the the um, the topic and just saying we're just going to carry on playing as we play, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Um, it's going to be a, a, a uh, an interesting running for for Lille, and um, I I think they should be able to get past Strasbourg this weekend. To be honest, um, who haven't been that great of a form, but yeah, it should be a it should be quite. A, um, I think it should be quite a simple game, but you never know, really, do you? 
Jeremy Smith, if, if you had to make a basis for Marseille taking points off of Lyon, who are going for the title this season, what, what would that basis be? You know, they drew against Antoine Kumbuari's Nantes last time out. New manager, it's, it's gone all right, but it's not gone fantastic. Some players have been dropped, some players have been brought in, like Dien, Enrique, uh, Kawi, who we were talking about earlier. What basis can you make for them going and taking three points off of Lyon, really snatching this game away from them? Well, first of all, as, as Eric said, I mean, Lyon are getting the results. All I guess all the top three, not Monaco, because they've sort of crept up from behind with very good form, but the top three at times have all sort of stumbled and mo- for the most part managed to get still get um, sketchy wins, um, even when not playing at the top of their form. But I, th- I, pro- I think I, I probably would agree that... that Lyon certainly not my favourites for the title at the moment. Um, so there is the element of, of concern about their form. But in terms of Marseille, I think, um, as I said, it's all relative, but there's a kind of lack of pressure because it looks like, you know, certainly, obviously, the, the title race and Champions League is gone. And um, realistically, I suppose there is still a Europa League push to, to play for, but you know the, the the team and the whole club just seem in so much flux at the moment that in a way I think it's almost a case of just waiting till the summer and, and then taking stock there. So um, to an extent that could help them. Um, you look at the first match between them this year, which I think from memory Payet scored quite early and then it was he who got sent off and then they Marseille sort of held on for the draw so they kind of have shown that they can take the lead against Lyon they can also defend against them pretty pretty solidly as well um like I said Payet is looking more interested the last couple of weeks and you know as as much as I like to criticize him wet on his day when he wants to be he's an absolutely fantastic player and match winner so he can make a difference the defense is a little bit um Disrupted, I guess. Obviously, with with Sakai now going going to miss this match, for example. But Alvaro, I think if he's playing, I think he he really has um, sort of stood up on and off the pitch as a as a real leader in that team. Um, Mondonda made a massive ricket last week, so by the law of averages. He might have one of his better games this week. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of clutching at straws. I mean, like I said, you know, the bottom line is they're not the worst team in the world. And, and they were, just as they massively over, overperformed last year, I think they've massively underperformed this year. So um, if they, you know, if they can get their act together, I think whoever they field, I agree that it, it won't, you know, it won't be close to their strongest lineup. But... At, at the velodrome, despite there not being fans, or maybe helped by the fact that there aren't fans sometimes, um, they, you know, it would not be the biggest shock in the world if they were to eke something out. But um, yeah, they're, they're really not in great shakes at the moment, are they? Mm. But Eric, it, it does kind of feel like that type of match, what you were saying, Leon's results haven't been as fantastic as they were maybe a month ago or a month and a half ago, and, and Marseille haven't been fantastic either, but you just get it. The, the vibe that's the type of game that Dimitri Payet turns up, has an absolute world of a match, and they, they score a 90th minute winner to keep Leon from going top. Well, I don't know about a world of a match, but 
<laughs> maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll score a penalty and get sent off. I'll have the reverse fixture, right? Um, yeah, I, I, it it very well could happen. I mean, this is uh, this is a, a fixture that Leon have had the better of by and large, you know, since since in the last twenty years. But um, I, I think that that um, the reverse fixture again, where Robert Pae was sent off. For the half hour, so Leon were playing for more than an hour with ten men, um, and and couldn't couldn't find a winner. Um, so I, I think that the, and you know, geez, the other weekend Marseille played with nine men. I think that whether it's Larger or whether it's VS Bush, that you know this team this this team this season has sh- you know has showed a really remarkable resilience um, defensively, and I, I do worry that you know, given Leon's like as I said, you know sometimes. Uh, sometimes seemingly high levels of profligacy uh, in, in front of goal that whether that resilience on the part of, of Marseille might um, be somewhat uh, OL's undoing. Eric Devin, if you had to have a score prediction for this one then, what, what would it be? Uh, one all. One all. Thomas Wiseman, how about you? How, how do you see this one going? Do you think Marseille could spring up and, and cause a bit of an upset? Uh, I think it would be Close and down to the wire, but I think Leon will just just about get it two one. Two one. And Jeremy Smith, how about you? Um, I was going to say one all, but Eric's convinced me nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I feel like I've got to have faith in Leon sticking this one now. Like I, I feel like I've got to have faith in that. Like I was saying earlier to, to Thomas, with the carrot hanging above them, especially if they hear news that Lille Lille, uh, lose earlier in the day, I feel like that's got to be a big motivation for a team trying to go for the title. So I'm going to have some faith but in if, the if away Lille, side. If Lille win, which is more likely, how do you think that affects it? Does that put a hell of a lot more pressure on them the other way? I think if Lille win... I think it does put a bit, a lot more pressure on Leon, and I don't know. I feel like they may crack under that because I, I feel like they may start to feel that the the title could get away from them, especially if PSG mm. win and then they're third, and then Monaco are kind of on their heels. I think that would almost put a bit more pressure actually if Lille did go and win that match. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting one. It's definitely turning into a time of the tape, a time of the season where you're more trying to see how teams are going to react as opposed to how they're going to act, how they're going to face up when another team goes and wins and get, or maybe gets a scrappy win and then Leon sit third for a little bit, even though they're a few points off the top. Like it, it, It's going to be down to that, I think, to what team's going to blink first now, especially with Monaco scraping their way into this mix as well. I mean, if they can pick up a couple of points and other teams drop, you, you, don't, you don't know where they could finish if they could get into the top conversation. Um, okay, and we, we talked a lot about the top of the table. To finish off the podcast, let's look at the bottom half of the table a bit more. Thomas Wiseman, you're someone who knows a lot about the bottom half of the league and table, of course. Uh, <laughs> and it, this relegation Ouch. battle, luckily you guys, you're not involved in that this year. You know, congratulations to you. Um, but there, there was a big basement battle in midweek at the bottom of the table. Nîmes versus Lorient and Reno Ripar, Mr. Nîmes, El Matador, getting the goal for Nîmes. A fantastic penalty to put them in front of Lorient, setting Lorient down in 19th as Nîmes went up to 17th. And, you know, we can talk about the title and who's trying to finish in Europe, but sometimes 
the best, the most passion that you see is in those really scrappy matches at the bottom of the table. And the the scream from the Neem team when, uh, didn't mean that rhyme, the scream from the Neem team when Renault Repar struck the goal into the top corner for the penalty was was just fantastic. And and you feel with Renault Repar, three goals in his last three games, you could feel he could just be the guy to lead Neem out of this pen, this uh, relegation conversation, as he's done in the last couple of seasons that Neem have been in the top flight. He's, he's been so instrumental for them, hasn't he, Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's like you said, he's, he's Mr. Neem, to be honest. Um, and it would be brilliant if he could, if he if he can help him out of this mire that they've, they've sort of dug themselves into. But um, th- that's, you know, I think since... Um, Pascal Plonk, I think, is the new coach. Is it since he took over? I think they've only you know, they've, they lost that game against Monaco, but they've, I think they've been on. Let me just double check. Yeah, three straight wins, um, and Repos scored in every single that one of them wins. And you just you could just see it from the the as soon as the full time whistle went in this game, they were just so relieved, and there was just screams from all the players, and and it feels like they are now on a charge, um, and especially with. You know, I would be more confident a Neem picking up points now than I would say none under uh, Comborari. Also uh, in this game, there was um, Julian Laporte, the um, Lorient centre-back, almost scored, you have to check it out on the highlights if you've not, almost scored an unbelievable long-range goal. I mean, it's ridiculous. It just, it's those, it's oh, those type of games that you get those random, just almost incredible goals, though. The ones down at the bottom where guys are almost yeah. just like sp- popping it into the top corner from 60 yards out because the strikers aren't doing the job, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about Renault Repar, Jeremy Smith. He's played uh, right wing. He's played up front, right back. This one, he was at centre mid. And y- you feel like if anyone was going to do it for him, it was going to be him. Uh, yeah, especially when it's a penalty. <laughs> I think most of his goals this year have been have been penalties, but you know they they still all count. Um, he's I mean, I've seen a lot of people sort of tease him, you know, about his lack of pace and that kind of thing. But he is so important to the team, just as, as much as anything else, because he can play all over the place. Um, I think I can't remember if it's transfer mark. There's somewhere where he's sort of described as a defender, um, but you know, certainly for me, he's still more of a, a forward player, but he has played in defence. He's, you know, he's played as a fullback, a wing back. He can play all over the place, and he'll do whatever job needs to be done for for the team. And it's always good to have players like that. And um, you know, you talked about the the screaming from off the pitch, and you got someone like Priançon, who I think is a huge loss. Um, but it was great to hear him sort of still being so vocal on the side of the pitch. But with him not on the pitch, you need leaders. Um, both in terms of in terms of experience, in terms of sort of vocal leadership, and in terms of you know setting an example, um, you need people like that on the pitch, and and you don't get any better than that um, with the likes of 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 Ripa. But you know, as, as Thomas said, that that Laporte shot was unbelievable, and and Moffi hit the post as well. The penalty mm-hmm. was a. Maybe a little bit harsh, or if it was the right decision, it was real bad luck as well. Um, you know, it's an unfortunate handball. So everything went Neem's way, really. But um, you know, it's, 
any all clubs are going to say that but you know there are a couple of quotes after the match saying you know we've had no luck all season it's about time that that turns around and you know, clubs at the bottom always always seem to seem to feel hard done by and often are um so um you know it's, it's a perfectly fair thing to say but they you know it's one of those cases where they did very very much ride their luck and they got the win and they're on a great run now and you look at the the fixtures they they've just had and they've got in their, their next few matches you know three wins in a row but you know one was against Dijon one was against Bordeaux who could yet become a relegation rival the way they're going and the, and the fact that it looks like sort of open warfare in the changing room at the moment then Lorient and then next they've got Nantes um, and Nice who also could slip down there I don't think they will but there's a possibility there you know Nîmes season really kind of boils down to these five or six matches um, and three wins out mm-hmm. of three to, to start them off is, is fantastic um, mm. Again, it's another cliche, but you've got to sort of look at, you know, when you're at the bottom, you've got to look at the mini leagues and just get the results against those those teams around you and anything else is a bonus. And that's exactly what they've been doing um, in the last the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is turning into a bit of a dogfight towards the bottom of the table. Some teams are going in one way away from it and some teams are still just plunging themselves back into that battle. At the moment, Dijon sits bottom of the table in 20th with 15 points after 26 games. The nearest team to them is Lorient in 19th with 23 points, 8 points separating those teams. So, so it's really turning into a bad situation at Dijon. We have to see if they can really pull themselves out of this mire in the last nope. third of the season. I'm also going to agree with you on that, Thomas. I'm going to say no, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Bruno Aquile Manga in the team. Anything can happen with that boy. Um, Nantes are in 23rd. They recently just uh, appointed Antoine Kumbuari, Mr. Anti-Relegation, as their manager. Um, Neem, like we were saying earlier, in 17th, they're in 24 points. And then there's about five points between them and the next team up, Nice in 16th. And then you've got Strasbourg, Sanetti, and Ramps, Brest, and so on and so forth. Maybe those teams could get pulled into the relegation battle. We do have 12 games left of this campaign, you have to remember. But with that, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Thank you very much for listening once again. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can get us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. We're also on Twitter at GFFN. That's at GFFN on Twitter if you want to get involved in the conversation. Uh, I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Eric Devin, Thomas Wiseman and Jeremy Smith. Lille may be out of Europe, but they're still on top in France. However, Leon may have a thing or two to say about that on Sunday. Bye for now.